On this good day, when we celebrate 10 solid years of covenant keeping between your rector and yourselves, we have before us scriptures which are full of that covenant. We come upon Abraham when he is already 100 years old, sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. He has already come a long way on his pilgrimage toward the land of the Canaanites, a pilgrimage which was an astonishing act of faith. It was astonishing that he should leave Ur where he started in the first place, and it was more astonishing that he should persevere on this 600-mile journey because the promise that he was keeping was that he and his wife Sarah and their descendants would live in that land as owners for all time. That Abraham should become the father of this promised land was complicated by the fact that Abraham and Sarah had no children. Therefore, no one believed that this empty family could produce a son, let alone a dynasty. The promise of land ownership of this magnitude is not a gift of one generation. It is clearly a multi-generational development which assumes great investments of faith and resources passed on from one family to the next. So Abraham was by this time skeptical that there would be an heir. One could say that Abraham and Sarah were quite sure that their perspective was the only perspective, that the world was fixed and a barren experience beyond any change, that the world was incapable of anything new. This idea that the world is beyond help, that people, societies, and governments will always act in certain predictable, uncreative ways, is what Martha is doing in Luke's Gospel. Martha is the model woman of the first century. She is attentive to her duties as householder and hostess. She knows her responsibilities, and however much she may wish to do other things, she does not. She acts as though she believes there is no other way to be in the world, as though this way of being is all she or any woman can ever have. Abraham is caught between his desire to believe in the promise of Sarah's fertility and the promised land it would bring, and his skepticism that anything so full of life could come from such barrenness. Martha is perhaps caught by the same yearning and the same cynicism, wanting more but seeing no way for it to come. This is the condition of despair that nothing new can happen because we cannot create it. The story of Abraham and the story of Martha point to the arrogance of that despair. That faithless despair, so common for human beings, denies God's vitality and trivializes God's fidelity. Uh, God is not to be detained and tamed by the depressive bitterness of humans, says the scripture. God is completely free to do anything with anyone at any time. And furthermore, it doesn't matter how faithless human beings are. God keeps the promise. We offer the faith. God takes care of the abundance. And so it is that three angels appear near Abraham's tent at the height of his skepticism. 
Abraham is no stranger to supernatural occurrences, and he is quick to welcome them with extravagant hospitality. He couldn't be a better host. In response, one understands, the angels announce that in the next year, Sarah will give birth to Isaac. And Sarah, who doesn't believe, laughs in mockery because Sarah is having trouble keeping the covenant. She is losing her faith. Just believe in me, God had said. Move toward the land that I will give you, and you will have abundance. Just live in your belief of me. I will do the rest. And what happens to Martha? She sees her sister in an extraordinary act of rebellion, sitting at the feet of Jesus, a place reserved for men. She sees the freedom her sister takes and hears Jesus endorsing that freedom. You are too worried about the normal order of things, Jesus says. He says, live in the freedom you desire. Live in equality. That freedom and equality are marks of the kingdom I am bringing you. And in fact, the kingdom will never come if Martha doesn't live in the freedom she craves. Jesus says to Martha, as God says to Abraham, live as though you believe in my kingdom and I will bring it. 11 or 12 years ago, this congregation was in the throes of great turmoil. Many transitions, some of them quite painful. And to every congregation, some painful mismatching between clergy and people occurs at one time or another. But when it is serial, when it is not healed, when it results in mistrust, it leads to despair. And this is exactly when God intervenes. In the empty, the barren, the oppressed, the wounded. God did intervene in the lives of this congregation after it wandered and wept for a while. God invited the congregation to trust a priest again. And in the ancient way of Abraham, the congregation opened their hearts with hospitality, which led thereafter, just as it did with Abraham and Sarah, to a very fertile decade of worship, of discourse, of discovery, and of faith. I hope it doesn't offend you to say that this can be a daunting congregation. There are strong, passionate people here with history and rootedness, the church itself is venerable with roots in the beginnings of this community. And even if there were no challenges within the church, there are enormous obstacles outside it. This is a county full of spiritual but not religious people, a county so beautiful and so wealthy that it is possible to ignore the rest of the world. And the Episcopal Church, progressive, staunchly committed to social justice, deeply rooted in scripture and wisdom, is largely unknown. The world outside us is not supportive of us. These are formidable obstacles for a rector and a congregation who believe, as you do, that you are to be a blessing in this land because you are the people of God. But for all these 10 years, your rector has kept the faith with you and you with him. And for all these 10 years, you have continued to be the blessing of God in Mill Valley. 
You could have given up 10 years ago, but you did not. In Richard, you have found a caring, talented, vibrantly intelligent priest who loves you deeply and wants you all to live in the kingdom of heaven, to be the promised land. There are many churches who cannot sustain peacefully with a rector for 10 years, much less make it possible for the rector to find a home. But Richard is the true child of Abraham. He has kept the faith with his people while searching for a home, and now he has found it with you. No matter what happens after this, this experience of making a home for a priest among you will always be with you. It is a multi-generational experience. It is an investment of faith in the future of being church in this land. So, in these fearful and fragile days, take courage. You have allowed a good priest to lead you to be faithful witnesses to God's grace in this community. And may your next 10 years be full of that grace. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.